This episode is the result of a message I got from a friend of mine who's been a guest on the podcast. And if you haven't heard Ken Caesar's episode, it's on scaling to seven figures, which he has done twice. And so I recommend you go look for Ken Caesar's episode here. Uh, he's done it in an agency business and then again as a e-commerce uh, store because he realized the problems of scaling a, a an agency business. It's not as easy as uh, people make it out to be. You can make some money uh, running an agency, but then what? And so we're seeing a symptom of a problem with the agency model. You know, that's very popular right now as a sort of business in a box. A lot of people are uh, selling this thing and getting newbies involved who have no business sense and no real business being in this uh, area, but there they are. And they're not going to like me saying that, but I really don't care because, um, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens over the next little while. I believe the market uh, will be filtering those folks out. So what's the symptom of something going wrong with the agency model? Well, Facebook ads are becoming more expensive. That's long and short of it. You know, we had this big shutdown of Facebook and several other platforms on Wednesday, March 13th of this year. It's 2019. And that was a real shock for a lot of people. Now, before I went full-time into the business of Cold Star, uh, I ran a third-party closing as a service business with a partner for a couple of years. And so we ran sales teams for high-ticket coaches, trainers, info product creators, and agency owners. And we saw a lot of data from across these fields, right? So it used to be you could generate a completed application for about 160 to 200 bucks. And maybe all the way up to around $400 for a completed application. So not cheap, right? And then you get a good closer. And that good closer, well, typically if they're closing around 30%, that's good, right? So let's say 33%, about a third. So that means one in three. That means you need to generate three good applications to get a, uh, a sale. And so that puts your cost of advertising around 600 bucks. Right? If you take the $200 for a completed application and multiply it by three, that's just for the advertising. Then you're going to pay another 10% the closer uh, or more for the company that I ran. It was considerably more because we knew what it took and we had the systems in behind to uh, coach and support those salespeople. They are not like a cactus. This myth that you can hire a high-ticket closer and stick them in a corner or on a windowsill and feed them leads occasionally and they'll do a good job for you is not true so what's happening rising cost of customer acquisition business changing fast is becoming more difficult to bring in customers at a good ROI right that's the symptom of a problem well Ken when he messaged me he was talking about three phases so I'm just gonna give him credit and repeat this the phase one was the Wild West we've seen this in many different areas of internet marketing and we're coming out of that phase now. We're in the second phase, which is stabilization. It's no longer instant money. I mean, I don't know if you remember, maybe you weren't around, but back in 2012, it really was the Wild West out there. I mean, Google ads were a pretty new thing. And it was weird social misfits out on public forums, figuring out these kind of creepy ways to make money, sending people from that kind of traffic source. I mean, Facebook ads didn't even exist yet. I remember when Facebook ads were new and there was not even the advanced targeting that you all have today. I lost three grand in a, in a couple days. 
<laughs> with with the untargeted advertising to uh, straight to a sales page. I was really stupid about it. I mean, this is seven years ago. I've been around a long time. I know a lot about conversion. I don't know nothing about traffic generation. I should make that clear. I am a conversion guy. I know how much traffic you need and what it needs to look like, but where to get it, the syntax on how to summon it, no, that's somebody else's problem. Okay, And the traffic guys, they're flashy, they get a lot of attention, and people mistakenly think that that's the end of the funnel to work on. And I'm going to tell you that's a mistake. And you're going to see this mistake now because of this corrective hand of the marketplace coming in, okay? So we had the Wild West. We're in phase two right now where it's stabilization. And again, these are Ken's words. Uh, where companies are willing to lose money in the short term to reach profitability. And that makes sense. Lots of businesses do this. But back in phase one in the Wild West, you didn't have to do that. You could just dump money into traffic and, and usually make money. Now you got to go into a, a kind of a, a dip. Uh, to get to a position to make money, right? You'll lose money on the front end, for example, and then make money on the upsell or the back end. And so that's what's happening now. But we are moving towards phase three, which is a branding or maturity phase where the little guys won't be able to compete any longer. It'll come down to brands and the costs will have gone up so high that it might take a year it might take a year to make your money back and get to profit. And I'm sorry, but little family-run businesses or individual-run businesses are not going to survive. They're not going to be able to take the hit that long. And it's true for e-commerce as well. We know this, right? As you grow with an e-commerce business, and again, you can listen to Ken's episode and, and hear it from him. It's not just me saying this, but uh, as you grow and you get out of that twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month level, which <laughs> a lot of newbies will go out and create a course based on the fact that they made $30,000 in one month, just one time, one month, but they don't tell you about that. They, in their marketing, say, make $30,000 a month, as if they've done it for 12 months straight. This is not true. The e-commerce business is very cash flow dependent, very inventory dependent. you got to place your orders in May and June to get them for December, January. And then you make all your money back. But in between, you aren't making money. It's just sitting there. It's very different from an agency-based cash flow business, right? So if you want to hear more about that, go find Ken's uh, episode with me and listen to that. But this is what we're getting into. We're getting into this changing business where it's becoming more complex as businesses grow and becoming more difficult to bring in customers and get a good return on investment. I don't see a lot of people talking about this, which is another great reason to make this episode here, okay? Uh, I want you to think about the dashboard you're using. If you're an agency owner or an e-commerce person, you probably have got a dashboard. You may have rented it from somebody as a software, as a service. You may have created your own. I, I want to change your thinking about this stuff, okay? Uh, in order to compete, you're going to have to change your thinking, Otherwise, you won't survive. So I want you to think differently about dashboard. First of all, the dashboard is just a model. It's a conceptual framework that runs on top of reality. Reality is much bigger, fatter, more complex, deeper, crazier, weirder than your model. You're not getting all the data. That's the thing I want to get across to you. If you think your dashboard is bringing you all the data, I'm going to laugh at you and say, well, I guess you're doomed to fail pretty soon, okay?
All you're measuring is what the dashboard is set up to measure. If it's not included, it doesn't exist in your, your world, in your perception. But the problem is it's going on in reality. It's happening in reality underneath that dashboard. And so there's stuff that you're not seeing. Info is excluded in your dashboard. So if you want to get better results, start looking at your dashboard. That's where I'd begin and go, what am I not seeing here? What big uh, measures of change, factors of change, things that indicate changes on the way, leading indicators, right? What am I not seeing because it's not measured by the dashboard and that I could change to include in the dashboard, okay? Pareto's law taught to me 25 years ago in the operations management program, foundation of everything that I know, the 80-20 rules, another name for it. I want you to think about this. Humans are copycats, right? Somebody sets something up, like a dashboard, software as a service. <laughs> Other people look at, wow, this thing's selling. So what do they do? They don't reinvent the wheel. They copy what the other person has already created. And what are they copying? The measures that that initial dashboard creator came up with. And so what you've got is a bunch of copycats copying the dashboard. Well, what are they copying? All the measures. They're not coming up with anything new. So you got groupthink. And this happens all over the place out there in the world. How we do what we do. It's all copycat. So you get this group think. Well, I'm doing what they're doing. It must be good. No, they're missing out on reality just like you are. There's a parallel that I hope you find disturbing <laughs> after you hear me tell you this, okay? A handful of people created the accepted chronology for history particularly after the time of Christ. It's just like a few people around the 15-1600s. That's it. What a bottleneck. The whole chronology of when things happened and what we were taught in school, if you learned history at all. I don't really know what happened is the answer. <laughs> That's the right answer. There's some indicators, but just eating a thing because it's handed to you is not a good idea, right? I'm going to take it, whether it's a handshake or a hand grenade. No, you should be a little more careful with what you accept. So, be wary. Change your thinking. Don't just look at somebody's dashboard and go, wow, it's some pretty pie charts and thermometer indicators and stuff, and I, I guess it's better than what we got now or better than nothing so but that that means it's perfect right no <laughs> it's incomplete nothing ever captures all of reality it's a model and in order to see differently you have to measure different things than what other people are measuring you have to get outside the group think so what can you do about this bringing in customers at a good roi problem the costs of advertising, the costs of lead generation is going to continue to, to rise. There's nothing you can do about that. Okay? Facebook ads are going to continue to go up in price. That's uncontrollable, and that's on the traffic side. Therefore, I recommend you concentrate on the conversion side, something a lot of you don't know much about. And I've been an expert at and studying and continuing to study for 20 years. I know a lot about conversion. So you got to get more out of what you've got. You're generating leads. They have a certain cost. That cost is going to be rising. And, and you, you, you know, you can't just raise your price, right? I mean, you could, but there will come a point where people just won't pay or, 
your marketing isn't good enough, your branding, your positioning isn't good enough, right? So you got to do something on the conversion side internally. Once that lead is generated, what do you do with it? And I find I've seen inside a lot of funnels, folks, some very big hitters in this industry, in the internet marketing world, and out there in the corporate world. And I'll tell you, most of it's pretty freaking sloppy. People are not measuring as well as they could be, and they're not measuring those weird leading indicators, right? They indicate something new is coming, and then they get punched in the face. So measure things you aren't measuring now, because the elements that are positively impacting the result are invisible to you. They're likely outside of what you're currently including on your dashboard right now. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I recommend you use what's called an indoctrination funnel. And this is about using the leads you generate better. You know, there are a lot of people, I, I've done funnel consultations, hundreds of them, since 2012. That's seven years as, the, as of the time of this recording, okay? How many people do you know have been doing funnel consultations on the conversion side for seven years? I don't know that many. I've seen a lot. And I'll tell you, most people <laughs> get generating a lead and sending it directly to a sales page, a conversion tool, and then wondering what went wrong. Like, over half of them aren't even capturing the lead that, that they paid for. How insane is that? Hopefully you're smarter, you're sending it into an application, and they're into the autoresponder or the bot, and now they're in the funnel, right? That, that is a plus. But what are you doing to bring them around to the awareness level of understanding what you believe is important about the nature of the problem that they're in, and the solution that you have. That's what you need to be doing. Bringing them around to your point of view of what's important and getting them on board with that. That's called an indoctrination funnel. And that is perfect branding. Because where else can they get what you say is important? Where's the first place they're going to think of? You. <laughs> right? This is important. And most businesses are terrible at it. Look, don't get me wrong. Agencies that generate traffic are really good at generating traffic. They'll be better at it than I ever will because it's not an area I care to concentrate on, right? But what do you do with that traffic once you've generated with it? What do you do with that lead? Most people aren't very good at it. Refine your processes. I work with bigger companies. I work with smaller companies, I can tell you. Most of them don't have a thing written down about how they do what they do. What kind of a result do you think you're going to get if you don't have anything written down and your people are making it up every time? Making up the indoctrination process, making up the follow-up process, making up the sales conversation every time? Does that lead to consistency, my friend? Does that lead to consistency of customer experience? Does that lead to consistency of fulfillment experience? Oh, we're making it up a little different every time as we go along. Does that make a difference about consistency of quality, whether it's an intangible product or a tangible one, physical good? When you're making it up every time, write the darn process down. Take the day and do it. And if you don't know how to do this stuff, come and talk to me because this is what my company does. Okay? Record it, get the present method down, and then refine it. And you will get increases in throughput times, poop through a goose. 
Customers will go through it. It'll be a pleasant experience cleaned up. Okay. How do they go from being uh, a lead that just came into your funnel to an indoctrinated, focused, aware prospect who is highly qualified? How do you do that? Most of you are really mushy on this stuff. Okay. I'll give you an example. How many of you have got getting testimonials as a part of your consistent process? How many of you have got getting referrals and the way of getting them that's qualified? Did you know there's four types of referrals? It's not just one type. <laughs> Again, you could come and talk to me about that. And two of them are really bad and one of them's pretty good and the other one's really good. Like you get two of those and I can pretty much guarantee type four, you're getting a customer. Do you have that built into your system? Most companies don't. I could do a better job of it. Clarify and concentrate on your measures. What are we measuring? Most companies, again, are sloppy. They don't even measure their uh, cash flow month to month. They don't sit down with their bookkeeper and go, okay, what came in, what came out every month? They don't. How the hell can you manage a thing if you don't know the score? The hockey game is on. What's the score? I don't know. It's 15 to 2. <laughs> One team doesn't have a chance in hell of winning, but they don't know it. But they're going to keep fighting. What's the point? One of the magic things about knowing the score is what you measure is what improves. If your attention is placed on a thing, it will improve. But most business owners that I encounter are out to lunch. They're space cadets. Some shiny object thing comes up in front of them and they, I want that. And they, it's like a baby. They want it today. They reach in for their rattle and throwing a tantrum when they don't get it. How does that help? It's a different target every day. No, you got to know the score. So, costs are going to continue to go up. How are you going to get the most out of what you want? Do the things that I've suggested here. The indoctrination funnel. Measure different things. Find the leading indicators for change coming up. Train and support your sales team. They can't just be left there alone. They're going to get off track. Every salesperson, including me, goes into a slump occasionally. And if you don't catch it, they're not going to tell you I'm in a slump. They may not even be aware of it. If they don't have outside observation on what they're doing, coaches, wired up, ready to go, watching what they're doing. If they don't have that, you're not going to find out about it. They're not going to tell you. And as a business owner, dependent on them for revenue generation, what if you don't find out for two weeks that they're in a slump? That's two weeks of $200 applications thrown out the window, folks. A lot of your businesses won't survive that kind of a kick to the nuts be real a lot of you live in fantasy land you got to watch these salespeople. you got to be on them get them a coach that's one big way that you can get a better result and also make sure they're running a consistent sales process. I go into organizations, and I've been in organizations like in my 20s, back in the day <laughs> when I was a sales guy. I'd go in, and I'd be doing, I, I'd be handed, here's a desk, cubicle, phone, uh, price list, computer, have fun. 
Consistent sales process? Nah, there's 11 of us in this trailer, but <laughs> we're all doing something different. How's that good for customer experience? I talk to Pat, I get one thing. I get to talk to Jason, I get another. Completely different experience. What the heck is going on here? Get a consistent sales process down. I was visiting with uh, a large, um, I mean fairly large, local 13-person web design team, and uh, their salespeople were all doing it different. Okay. <laughs> it's going to affect the results, folks. So clarify those processes and concentrate on your measures. Get the right measures going. And know the freaking score, because hardly anybody knows the score. It's a different thing every day, what they're concentrating on. And as a business owner, you can't afford to do that. You need focus. All right, this has been my talk, prompted by Ken Caesar. Again, go check out his uh, podcast episode with me if you want to hear about the real challenges of growing a real business as you get up to seven figures. The stuff you're doing when you're at $10,000 a month is not the stuff you can afford to be doing at $50,000 a month or $100,000 a month. You cannot do it that way or you'll die. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. And yet there's a ton of people out there who think, oh, I made $30,000, I made so much money. No, you didn't. That's a spit in the ocean. That's nothing. You should not be making a course to tell other people how to do that if that's where you've gotten to. If you want to talk about getting your processes straightened out, getting that focus, knowing the score for your business, well, you can book a time to talk with us at Cold Star. We know how to fix these things. And I've been a conversion expert personally for a long, long time. Thanks for listening.